0: He said these words. He said, "See that you are not troubled." Now that little statement, if it was an Oreo cookie, that statement is the cream. And on either side of it is predictions about the future in the last days. And we're going to look at that today because Jesus fully intended for us to understand the times we're living in. He didn't want us shocked, taken taken aback. He didn't want us walking around in fear, but he wanted us anchored in the Word. So I'm going to talk to you about uh, the predictions of Jesus for the last days. And let me look at Matthew 24, the first six verses. Let's read them. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. So they had been in the temple, he and the disciples. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. They got outside and they said, Wow, Lord, look at this thing. And Jesus said to them, Do you see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that is not going to be thrown down. Well, you could have hit them with a rock. It was like, what? You have got to be kidding me. This is one of the wonders of the world. Well, so they went to the Mount of Olives and of course it's on their minds what he has said. So... They take him aside privately, and they said, Tell us, when will these things be? And while we're at it, Lord, we got more questions. What is going to be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that nobody deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and of rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessing. We pray that you will speak to us today and open our eyes and help us to understand the times and to be able to read the times. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to my heart. And I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And um, I want to talk about this today because we are living in in perilous, scary times in the natural. It's a little bit scary. I mean, we do have ISIS, terrorist groups trying to get into our country, threatening us. We've got a a new plague on the horizon, Ebola, and um, just all kinds of wonderful things that are out there that you don't wake up and say, thank God for everything that's happening in our world. But I do thank God for who has the world in his hands. Amen? Now, uh, Jesus gives these predictions, and he gave some more, and I'm going to go over them. But he said, I don't want you to be troubled. He said, see that you're not troubled. You've got to take care of yourself. You see that you yourself are not troubled. Now, that word troubled comes from a Greek word that's really strong. It means to be unsettled thrown into confusion or disturbed, really just shaken on the inside. You know, David said in the Psalms, I will not be moved, I will not be shaken. But when you're troubled, this Greek word is shaken, it all—it also gets stronger. It can mean to want to cry out loud or even to scream, to be thrown into an emotional uproar. So, so let me just elaborate. Let me just make it the, the revised... Wickwire amplified version here for a minute. Jesus said, "See that you are not troubled, unsettled, thrown into confusion, disturbed, crying aloud, or in an emotional uproar." That's not my will for you. That's not what I want you to be experiencing. The very same Greek word is found in Paul's uh, exhortation to the Thessalonians. Listen to what Paul said to a church that was troubled and disturbed. He said, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So it's the very same word when he said shaken and troubled, same Greek word, I don't want you disturbed, moved, shaken. I don't want you in an emotional uproar. I want you instead to be at peace because church, listen, the Bible is clear. God did not give you and me a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear doesn't come from God. But God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Even in trouble sometimes, even in perilous times, God's people are to have peace in the middle of the storm. That's God's will. So in both instances, the Christian is told, I don't want you shaken. I want you to trust God in difficult, uncertain, and perilous times. Paul said, he wrote to Timothy and said, In the last days, perilous times are going to come. That word perilous means high stress. In the last days, there's going to be high stressful times. And I don't want you to be moved. I don't want you to be shaken. I want you to experience the peace of God. I heard the Lord saying in my spirit this week, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Listen, folks, we serve a God who never wakes up and says, well, I'll be. Matter of fact, he never wakes up. While you're asleep, he's awake. We serve a God who never says, what are we going to do? We serve a God who never says, oops, because he does all things well. So rest assured, God is not in an emotional uproar. God is not moved, God is not shaken, and He doesn't want His people to be so either. We're not to be shaken like the world is shaken because, listen, folks, there's a whole lot of shaking going on, and this world is going to be shaken even more, and what they need to see is a people who have supernatural peace that can't be explained. It's called the peace that passes all understanding. That's what God's people are to experience in the midst of a lot of shaking. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalms 46, 1 through 3. I'm reading this out of the Living Bible because it put it in such a way that it kind of speaks to the terrorism of our day. David wrote, God is our refuge and he is our strength, a tested help in times of trouble. And so we need not fear even if the world blows up. We are not to fear even if the world blows up. And the mountains crumble into the sea. You know how traumatic that is? That a mountain would shake and rattle and crumble and go into the sea. But even then, we are not to be moved. We are not to be shaken. We are not to be afraid. We are to trust the living God. So David says, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble. Go ahead. I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be afraid. Now, we need to hear that today. Now, returning to our our text in Matthew 24, Jesus is asked three questions from the disciples. And let me read these again, because I want us to understand what exactly they asked the Lord. When will these things be? First question had to do with the temple. He said, all this is gonna come down. They said, when will these things be? The destruction of the temple. Second question, what will be the sign of your coming? What's going to be the sign, Lord, of your return to the earth? What's it going to look like? What signs can we look for that will precede you appearing in the sky? And then the third question, what's going to be the sign of the end of the age? That means when time ends, when time as we know it, history as we know it ends, what will be the sign of the end of time? Now, Jesus answered these questions in two places. He answered in Matthew 24, and he answered in Luke 21. Those two places. You ought to read both chapters because they are two of the greatest chapters of prophecy in the Bible because, folks, we got to understand Jesus wasn't just our Savior. Jesus was a prophet, capital P. He never missed. And when Jesus answered these three questions, the prophecy he gave, is almost more sweeping, more profound than anything ever uttered by Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or Daniel. I mean, he really told us what to look for, what would be happening before he came back. Now, Luke provides the best answer to the first question when they said, when will these things be? When is the temple going to come down? And Jesus said, here's how you know, here's the sign. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation, the temple's desolation is near. That's exactly what happened in less than 40 years from the time that Jesus spoke that. Here Jesus is standing. He's standing outside the temple when he says, it's all coming down. He's right there. He's just been in it. It is a magnificent, stupendous, unbelievable wonder of the world. It's one of the landmarks of the world. And yet Jesus said, it's coming down. In less than 40 years, the Roman army surrounded Jerusalem. They laid siege to it. They starved them out. When they finally broke in through the walls of Jerusalem and took the city, over a million Jews perished. Remember when Jesus wept over Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. You didn't receive me. John said he came to his own and his own received him not. His own being the Jew. He came to his own and his own received him not. And he wept over Jerusalem knowing that in a few short decades, Jerusalem would be surrounded and laid siege to and destroyed and the temple would be destroyed as well. And they set the temple on fire And it burned to the ground, and the soldiers knew that in between these giant stones was inlaid gold. And so they took every stone off, one from another, to get the gold out between those stones. And so just like Jesus predicted, not one solitary boulder or stone was left intact because the Roman army wanted to get that gold. The whole thing took place just like Jesus said. He didn't miss a thing. Now, in light of that, then here's what we know. What he said about the temple, he went on and talked about what would be happening in our day in the last days. And if he was so accurate with that, then you know he was absolutely on the money with what he said about our time. Now, what I'm going to read to you isn't going to make you jump up and shout. He didn't intend for it to. But here's what he did intend he intended for us to understand what is happening in our day that we would understand the signs of the times and that we would be a people walking in victory and in power and in peace and in boldness and not in fear uh, like, like the rest of the world because we have a savior who has told us what is coming now Jesus answered the next two questions what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age he, he then went on to answer those now, in a nutshell, here's what he predicted. He said in the last days leading up to his return, our world would be tossed and turned and troubled by many different types of storms and catastrophes. That's what he said. I wish I could tell you something else, but I can't. That's what he said. But I want you to stay with me when you see all these things happening, lift up your heads. Your redemption draws nigh. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on right. Now, Jesus called it the beginning of sorrows. He said, the things I'm about to tell you are the beginning of sorrows, but then a better translation is birth pangs. The beginning of birth pangs. Now, let's look at this illustration he uses. very important. If you don't get that, you don't understand the signs of the times. When he talked about the birth pangs, he was talking about the way a woman who, when she goes into labor... She goes into birth pangs, and those birth pangs will begin, like, say, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes apart, and then they grow closer and closer and closer together, 15, 10 minutes, five minutes, until finally that baby is born, a brand new life is born. Jesus is letting us know that the signs of the times, the signs I'm telling you, have always been with us. It's nothing new. You'll see as I go over them. But the key to understanding his prophecy is that as his return draws near, they're going to to increase with frequency and intensity. They'll get closer and closer and closer together until you've got a world in travail. And then a baby is born. And what is the baby? It is the kingdom of God, the millennial reign of Christ. Jesus brings in a brand new world, and it's a new baby. So what are the signs that Jesus mentioned? He said, first, you're going to have an epidemic of religious deception. And and listen to what he said. He said, take heed that nobody deceives you. He's talking to his own. He says, be careful that nobody deceives you. For many are going to come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. And they will deceive many, not a few, but he said many. And do you know that Jesus repeats this warning more than any other of his predictions? Matter of fact, this is the only one he repeats and then repeats a third time when he's giving them the signs of the times, a warning against religious deception. He said in verse 11, he said, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And then in verse 23, he says yet again, then if anybody says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, Jesus said, don't believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And that means the church. He said to his own people, be very, very careful that you don't become deceived. I don't think we've ever lived, ever. I don't think, I, I've never seen it, in a day where there is more deception in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ than today. I'm amazed at what some people swallow and believe, but it's there. Jesus said there's gonna be a a surge of religious deception. And not only will it come against society at large, but also against the Lord's very own church in hopes that Christians, the elect, will believe a lie and be carried away from the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, And be carried away to a false Christ or a false prophet. And a false prophet is somebody who claims that something is of God, but it's not. They claim to speak for God, but it's not God's words. But they're very attractive. They're very charismatic. They're very convincing. They're very persuasive. Jesus said three times, watch out for them. Don't be deceived. Men calling themselves the Christ or pointing to a false Christ... Look over there. Look over there. He's over there. He's on that show, that show, that television channel, that radio channel. He's written this book. They'll burst onto the scene in a display of great deception. And many of these false prophets, folks, we've got to understand, they're going to come from within the church itself. Paul told the Jerusalem elders, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves, and he meant false teachers and false prophets, will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, watch this, from among yourselves, from within yourselves, from within the church, men will rise up. Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. He said, I've told you, I've warned you, and all this time I've been with you. He said to the Ephesian elders, I've warned you night and day against this deception. So religious deception is one of the signs of the times. Jesus said, watch out for it. He said three times, watch out for it. You know how you avoid deception? Right here. I'm going to tell you how to avoid it right here. You avoid it by knowing this really, really well. You know why so many people in the church get deceived? Because they don't know their Bible. This, is, this insulates you from deception. I mean, the more you read it, the less susceptible you are to being deceived and carried away by some cult or some false teaching or something that doesn't really represent God. So get into this. Read it all the time. Read it every day. I don't ever have a day that I don't read the Word of God. Not so I can be super spiritual, but I do it to survive. I do it to stay sharp. I do it to stay wise. I know we're in a battle, and we're not battling flesh and blood, but we're battling principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, and rulers of the darkness of this world. That's what we're battling And we battle them with the weapons of our warfare, not with fleshly, not with willpower or New Year's resolutions or rehab, even though I know rehab helps some people. But I'm just saying, when you're battling a spiritual enemy, you've got to fight them with spiritual weaponry. So we take the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit and we put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of His righteousness and we gird ourselves with the belt of the truth of the Word and we shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And having done all, we stand. Now Jesus said, secondly, there's going to be constant global conflict. Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. You will consistently hear about yet another war taking place or the rumor of one. It's going to be a part of life in the last days. You know, there's recently been reported by the Institute for Economics and Peace that virtually our entire world is at war. We're in a world war. It's just not like World War II where several nations are fighting one another, but our world is in conflict. Of the 162 countries that they studied, there were only 11 out of 162 not involved in conflict. Think about that. Out of 162 countries, only 11 were not experiencing bloodshed and fighting and war. The report went on to say that the world as a whole has been getting incrementally less peaceful every year since 2007. But what did Jesus say immediately talking about after talking about war and rumors of wars and all this unsettling stuff? That's when he said, here comes the cream and the Oreo. He said right then, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. I want you to have peace in the midst of the storm. Can we say together, I've got his peace Amen. because his spirit lives in me. Amen. Amen. Then, after talking about war and and these things, Jesus predicted ballooning ethnic conflict. He said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And the word nation here is translated from the Greek word ethnos, which we get ethnic from or race. So we could put it this way, ethnicity will rise against ethnicity. Now, this could be pointing to wars where entire ethnic nations, like the Japanese, the Chinese, and the Muscovites, the Russians, and, and the French, and so forth, were engaged in World War II. It could be talking about that because that was very ethnic in a lot of ways. But I also think Jesus was, was pointing to the reality of racial strife like we're experiencing here in America and have for so long. He, he's saying, before my return, race will battle against race. And isn't that sad because, you know, you can take black skin, white skin, yellow skin, brown skin, red skin, and poke it with a needle, and they all bleed red. It's so silly to have anything against anyone because of skin color, but we're in a fallen world. And so I believe that Jesus was also predicting not just these giant global national wars but also ethnic racial conflict would would be exacerbated and would increase before his return now i want you to notice that after these these first three signs they were all man-caused every one of them were man-caused disasters but the next four predictions that jesus makes are natural disasters not caused by men first jesus said there will be famines He said, there will be famines in various places. The word various here is very interesting. It means coming down from a higher place. It's a Greek word, kata. It means coming down from a higher place. So it's clearly talking about the judgment of God. That there will be famines coming down from a higher place. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, God doesn't really judge the world. What Bible are you reading? the Bible says in Romans 1, the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness. The wrath of God is being poured out moment by moment upon the world because of ungodliness and unrighteousness of those who are suppressing the truth. So pastor, if if wrath is being poured out, I'm in a bad place. No, you're not. Because let me tell you where the wrath is not being poured out on the old rugged cross. The cross is where you will not find wrath. You know why? Because the wrath of God has already been poured out on the cross. Way back when Jesus died, God poured out his wrath against sin on the cross, and Jesus was judged for our sin, and now the fire has already burned at the cross. So if you want to get out of the wrath of God, run to the cross. And let me tell you what you find there. Mercy and grace and grace and mercy and mercy and grace and grace and mercy are at the foot of the cross. Thank God for that cross. Thank God for that old... That's why we have one out here. I want people to see it. I love hearing when truckers stop and get out of their cab and go over and get on their knees at that cross and they pray. I want people to see the cross. I don't understand churches that won't put a cross up. What are you talking about? We're here because of the cross. We're saved because of the cross. And the cross is the one place where the wrath is not being poured out. And remember, Jesus said, this is a sign. It's not just judgment. It's a sign sent to warn us of the imminence of Jesus' return. Do you know that as I speak, 842 million people go to bed hungry at night in the world? 842 million. Do you know what it's like to go to bed hungry? Have you ever had to go through that crummy diet where you can't eat after six? We're so spoiled. You do it two days. I don't think I can make it because you're so used to whatever it is you were eating at 9 or 10 just before you went to bed, and it turned into all that wonderful. Can you imagine never having enough to eat? 842 million Americans, or people in the world, and 1 million Americans go to bed hungry every night in america now and then jesus predicted there would be an increase in pestilences in various places here we go pestilence is from a greek word meaning plague and pestilence always follows on the heels of famine so he's he's saying plagues are going to increase with intensity and frequency as my return draws near various plagues the world has always had plagues i mean we had a You can read anywhere how smallpox and the black plague that took out a quarter of Europe and cholera, all these things, the world has always had plagues, but Jesus said it's going to increase with with frequency and intensity as I return, just before I return, there is going to be a proliferation of plague. So now we've got uh, Ebola, we've got AIDS, we've got Marburg, and did you know that Ebola and AIDS weren't even here until the 60s? You can't look into history anywhere and find Ebola and AIDS until the 60s and early 70s. So, Pastor Jeff, do you believe we're going to have a plague here in this area? No, I really don't. I personally don't. Now, don't hold me to that and don't sue me if I'm wrong. (laughs) I think some people are going to experience it, but not like they did in Europe. In Europe, they lost a quarter of their people. When Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, was pastoring in London, cholera hit London. And I've read Spurgeon's autobiography, and Spurgeon talks about how how he was burying people every day. This great preacher that had a megachurch before there were megachurches, he would walk out there to 5,000 people with no sound uh, assistance at all. There were no speakers. There were no microphones. There was nothing. His voice carried to 5,000. And right in the middle of this move of God, cholera struck And they didn't know that it was coming from a fountain in the middle of London, a water fountain. So I read where Spurgeon had just come from a funeral. He was burying people every day, men, women, children, every day. That's plague. And he's he's walking home. He's going down a street in London, and he said, the devil got on me. And the devil said to me, you're next. I read it from his own mouth. He said, you're next. And he said, all of a sudden I was gripped in a spirit of fear. But just when this fear was getting its grip on me, I passed a shop. And the shopkeeper had put a psalm in the window. And I read the verse, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And he said, as soon as I read that, Then the fear was lifted off of me, and he said, what did we do? We kept right on preaching. We kept right on soul winning. We kept right on soldiering on, and the plague, though it was a terrible thing that happened, it did not stop the move of God, and it's not going to stop the move of God, folks, in our day." Then Jesus predicted earthquakes. We've always had earthquakes. But according to the Lord, earthquakes will take place with increasing intensity and frequency prior to his return. Now, Luke adds something that Jesus predicted that Matthew left out. Here's what Luke wrote that Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. According to Jesus, God is going to send, before he returns, unusual celestial signs that will cause distress and perplexity among nations and will bring disturbance to the oceans, disturbance to the tides, causing the waves to roar and to foam. Now, I don't know what that means. Could it be he's talking about the blood moons that we're hearing so much about now? that have been happening just lately? Or how about a comet coming too close for comfort? Or explosions on the surface of the sun that have the ability to knock out the power grids? I read stories like that all the time. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's definitely going to get the world's attention. Signs in the heavens. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Jeff, how can we not be shaken by these things? These are not things that Make my day. I did not get Holy Ghost bumps off of what you just read. How can we not be shaken by these things? I'm going to tell you how you're not shaken. It's very easy. Are you ready? We're not shaken because Jesus has already told us what is coming. And he's in charge of what is coming. And he is going to end what is coming. Let me take those one at a time. He's already told us what is coming. At the end of his predictions, here's what Jesus told his disciples. He said, see, I have told you ahead of time, Matthew 24, 25. Mark 13, he says, so be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. So why is he telling us that? He's saying none of these things should take you by surprise. I've told you beforehand so that you would know that God is still on his throne and he's still got the whole world in his hands because I've told you ahead of time what is coming. So when it comes, you say, oh, I already know that's coming because my Lord, my Savior, my Jesus already told me. Last time I was at Six Flags, my daughter took me. And I went because I wanted to be a good dad. So I went. And she talked me into getting on to a ride. This ride, how can I describe it? It was not made for me. <laughs> but she taught me how to get on it. She said, come on, dad, come on, dad. Well, I want to be, you know, super dad, and good dad. So I got in the line, and I'm telling you, I think my heart was going twice its speed just standing in the line. And she was ahead of me, so she went through the little thing you walked through, and I grabbed the guy who was standing there who worked for Six Flags, and I said, tell me what about this ride? He said, oh. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he, he said, this is what he said to me. He said, it's, it's okay. You'll be okay. Well, that's not helping me already. That I need to be told I'm going to be okay. But he said, here's, here's where it gets rough. When you get way to the top, when you first start down, it's going to feel like you have left the tracks. But you haven't. Now I'm thinking, okay, I plead the blood. Lord, you know that I'm called. You know that I've got a call on my life. You know. He said, but if you can make it to the bottom, it'll feel like you've left the tracks, but you really haven't. I said, thank you for telling me that I haven't really left the tracks. So I got on it, and here we go. We went through some, you know, pretty scary, but then we went all the way up to the top. And I looked down, and I said, Lord, I'm reminding you again, I'm called. I'm a preacher. Please don't let the devil do anything to this ride. And it started down. And there was a moment where it really did feel like we had left the tracks and like we were this projectile headed through space. And, and, but I remembered that I had been told ahead of time. This is what it's going to feel like. So I told myself, I've been told ahead of time, told ahead of time, told ahead of time. Ahead of time. He said this was going to happen. He said this was going to happen. My daughter still has the picture of when we reached the bottom, and they take that, they take that photograph. She blackmails. She'll, she, she tried blackmailing me with the picture. She said, Boy, would your people love seeing this on Facebook. I said, Julia, if you do it, I'll never talk to you again. Because she's all, Ha, oh, boy, that was great. And I have this frozen grin. My hair is up like this. And I look like I've just seen a ghost. But, hey, we made it to the bottom. And one of the things that helped me was I was told ahead of time. Now, see, Jesus said, look, I've told you ahead of time. So when it gets rough, you remind yourself, I told you what was coming. Walk in my peace. Not only has told us what's coming, he's in charge of what's coming. Listen to what God told the prophet Isaiah. He said, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand. And I will do all that I please. Nobody tells God what to do. God does exactly what he wants. But it's those four words. My purpose will stand. Not the devil's purpose, not man's purpose, not some antichrist, this world is not going to be left in the hands of the devil. This world is not going to spin out of control and utterly self-destruct. No, when the ride gets really, really rough, you need to know his purpose will stand. And then, so he's told us what's coming. He's told us uh, that he's in charge of what's coming, and then he's going to end what is coming. Listen to what Jesus said. Now he's answering their question. What's the sign of your coming? Here's what he said. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. So something is going to happen up there in the sky. Christ is going to be seen in the heavens. That's the sign. And all the tribes of the earth, in every time zone, at the same time, at the same moment, will see him up there. And they will mourn. You know why they're going to mourn? Because they're going to be saying, it was true. It was true. Because I know who that is. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds. Those that have been saved during the tribulation period will be gathered from one end of heaven to the other. You know what the return of Christ is? It is the end of the movie called The History of the World. We're watching a movie right now, The History of the World. But one day, the credits are going to roll, and there's going to be a the end. And the the end is the return of Christ. And he's going to bring an end to this. He told us what's coming. He's in charge of what's coming. And he's going to end what's coming. Because you know what he does? He steps into time and he stops the most horrific war the world has ever seen, the war of Armageddon. He literally stops it before man totally self-destructs. And the Bible says he then shortly and swiftly sets up a brand new world it's called the Millennial Kingdom of Christ. And here's how it's described the lion will lay down with the lamb, carnivorous activity will stop. I've never gotten anything out of watching these videos of a, of a leopard chasing down a poor little antelope and eating them alive. I've never liked that. It's like, you know, if I know people that watch that, wow, look, look how fast he runs. I'm thinking of the poor antelope. <laughs> what a way to die! That's all going to end. The lion is going to eat straw. They will beat their weapons into plowing tools. There will be war no more. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth. There is a new day coming. And all of these birth pains, you know what Jesus said about having a baby? He said, once the baby is born, you forget about all the pain." So there is a new day coming. It's the day of the Lord. It's the day of Christ. It is the new kingdom of God. And we are all going to be a part of it. We're all going to be his servants in that new kingdom. And we're all going to experience the glory of Jesus Christ like we've never known it before. Can you not wait to look him in the face? So I want you to stand with me and say, see that you are not troubled. Let's try it again. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to preach it. One, two, three. See that you are not troubled. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we don't have to fear. We don't have to walk in fear, live in fear. But, Lord, you are here with your peace, with your power, with your glory. And, Father, we just thank you. And Lord, we want to remember right now all those people that are already represented on that back wall who today don't know you. They can't have supernatural peace. We pray that they will come to know you in the next few weeks. Perhaps with your head bowed, you have not personally come to Jesus, ask Him into your heart. Or maybe you've drifted away from Him and need to return. If ever there was a day to do it, it's today. So I want to pray with you right where you are. After a message like this, I believe somebody wants to get saved. It's time to get saved. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. You may not have another opportunity like this in your whole life. So I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. Right where you are. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. I turn to you as my Savior. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Come into my heart, Lord, and guide me from this moment forward. And if you've drifted, just say, Lord, forgive me, I'm coming home to you.